Today I'm finishing up our series of sermons entitled Love One Another, in which we've been looking at what Scripture tells us about how we're supposed to treat one another, and most especially, how we're supposed to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Today I want us to consider, be patient with one another. To begin, I want us to look at the words of the Apostle Paul as recorded in his letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with the second verse. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. So we're talking about patience. Well, let's be clear about what we mean when we say that. The dictionary definition of the word patience is very simple. It's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Anybody else feeling guilty right now? (laughs) From a Christian perspective, I believe we actually need to consider the issue of patience in three different ways. First, our ability to be patient with other people, which is primarily what this passage is about, but also our ability to be patient with ourselves, which is where much of it starts, and then our ability to be patient with God. So first, patience with other people. I think it's important that this passage in Ephesians starts out, be completely humble and gentle. The older I get, the more I realize that humility is perhaps the most critical key as we approach Christian life. Because without humility, we can never achieve any of the other virtues that we might seek. And humility is perhaps the rarest of all Christian virtues in our Western society. That's because, let's admit it, much of our impatience with other people comes because down deep, we tend to think or feel that we are perhaps smarter or faster or better than whoever else is doing something that affects us. We simply are sure that we could do whatever it is better than the person who's doing it, so we get impatient. There's simply no way I would have made those mistakes. No way I would take that long. No way I would get those orders that messed up. And on and on. We all do that. To one extent or another, I think. And you know what? The fact is that maybe you or I could do things better or faster or smarter than other people. The people with whom we feel impatient. Maybe we are more capable. Maybe. But what if we're not? Surveys have shown, for instance, that the vast majority of people think of themselves as better than average drivers. Well, obviously, that can't be true. Statistically, the majority of people can't be better drivers than the majority of people. Besides, you've driven on the roads. The weight of experience tells us that everyone can't be a better than average driver. In fact, I'm surprised we don't have more fatalities, especially here. But still, we often tend to think that we would be better at whatever it is than other people. I remember in a stand-up routine one time, Jerry Seinfeld said that when he drives his car and his dog is in the passenger seat, 
And the dog would watch him, and he was pretty sure he knew what his dog was thinking. His dog was thinking, you know, you're not very good at this. I could drive better than that. Everyone thinks they could do it better, even Jerry Seinfeld's dog. And most of us are wrong. But the thing that seems seldom to occur to us is that perhaps our way of doing it isn't necessarily better than somebody else's, but simply different. And we only think it's better. And so we get impatient. Maybe how another person does something seems inefficient to us, and it causes us to feel impatient, when in fact their way may actually be better. But we simply can't see that. You see, realizing that, that maybe the other person's way of doing it is better than the way we would do it, and that we might possibly be wrong in thinking, like Jerry Seinfeld's dog, that we could do it better, that's the key to humility. To believe that maybe we're wrong in thinking that we could do it better. And so therefore, that's why humility is necessary for patience. My hero G.K. Chesterton once said about bigotry, and in this case you need to understand that bigotry is defined as the sense of pride or intolerance toward other people who believe or act differently than us. Right? It means the way somebody else is or the way somebody else is doing something, we don't care for it because we think we're better than that. That's bigotry. Well, Chesterton said, it is not bigotry to be certain that we are right. But it is bigotry to be unable to imagine how we might possibly have gotten it wrong. Of course I would be better at that than someone else. Of course I would be more correct. Of course I would be more efficient or whatever else it might be. This is a source, this comes out of pride. This comes from a lack of humility. Being sure we are better or could do things better, feeling impatient toward others for doing things differently is a kind of bigotry. When someone on your favorite sports team clearly gets tagged out at the plate and yet you scream bloody murder because it was a bad call, that's a kind of bigotry. They can't possibly have been tagged out. They're my team. My oldest brother, who was an avid baseball player, he was like that. I mean, it could have been out by a mile, but if it was his team that got put out, he would scream that it's a bad call. There is no humility in that. Perhaps the way we think or the way we would do something isn't actually the best way. That's humility, the ability to admit that. Perhaps the way another person chooses or even is being led by God to do something is actually better or even smarter or faster than we are able to see it. Humility means admitting that. Lacking humility means that we don't believe somebody else could be doing it better than us. And it is a lack of humility that causes our problems with impatience. If we have humility, then we will pause before we judge somebody else's actions. And in pausing, we can learn patience. But this passage from Paul in Ephesians goes on to say not only that we should be completely humble, but we also should be gentle. The point there, I think, is even if we are really, in fact better, smarter, or faster in any given thing than the people who are doing them, we still should not be impatient, but rather we should be gentle. After all, with great gifts come great responsibility. There used to be a concept in medieval Europe called noblesse oblige. 
If you have been given nobility, you have obligation to those who haven't. If you really are better, then you need to be concerned. You need to not be impatient, but rather gentle with other people. Don't lord it over them. Care for them. Support them. Help them. I think that's where Paul is going with be gentle. To be gentle with other people rather than express frustration and impatience with them, whether we are right or not, and remember, humility says we may not be as right as we think. We are not all better than average drivers. That's why Paul then tells us that we should do this bearing with one another in love. You see, the objective in our lives and our relationship with other people is not to be better or to be right or to be more efficient or more effective. We are not told, bear with one another in efficiency, bear with one another in effectiveness, bear with one another in accomplishment. We are told to bear with one another in love. The objective is to be loving and gentle and patient. These are much higher values, much more important than efficiency or effectiveness or accomplishment. Why do you think it is that we seldom have trouble being patient with people that we love? For most of you, your children, and especially your grandchildren, can do no wrong. You probably don't have a problem with having patience with your grandchildren. Some of you may. I've met some of your grandchildren. (laughs) But for the most part, someone that you love, it may be a spouse, a brother, a sister, a child, a grandchild, you don't have problems with being efficient, inefficient, or I'm sorry, impatient with them because you love them. Which is why Paul says, bear with one another in love. We, we have a well of patience for those with whom we already love, which is exactly why Jesus tells us we should have love for everyone and therefore patience for everyone. After all, what right do I or we as sinners and weaklings that we are, what right do we have to feel superior or prideful toward anyone else? Again, my hero G.K. Chesterton said this, religion is the thing that makes ordinary men feel extraordinary. It is equally true that religion is the thing that makes extraordinary people feel ordinary. Being a Christian, a believer in and a follower of Jesus, makes me aware that On my own, I am a sinner saved only by God's grace. It is not my own merit. It is not something I have done. By myself, I am nothing but shortcomings and failings and brokenness and lostness. So of all people, who am I not to be humble and gentle and patient with other people? Why do I expect them to be more perfect than I am? This is the nature of Christian patience. Rooted in humility, because we recognize we are all sinners, saved not by our merit, but by only the grace of God. And that brings us around to the second kind of patience, and that is patience with ourselves. We are less likely to talk about being patient with ourselves, I think, than patient with others. The the verses seem to talk about other people. But there's a popular saying that... I saw years ago, this has been around like forever because many, many years ago, you saw it on bumper stickers and posters. It's still around if you go online and look it up. And that saying is, please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. Remember that? This saying has been around forever because it's true and it's right. 
please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. It's an appeal for other people to obey what Paul is saying here in Ephesians, to be gentle and patient, to bear with me, because I'm not perfect. And I will not be in any way perfected until I meet the Lord in the air. So this is a very true saying. Perhaps more importantly, this saying reflects first an understanding that we need to be patient with ourselves. When we say, please be patient with me, God isn't finished with me yet, that's acknowledging the fact that I'm not perfect. I need to be patient with myself as well. I spoke of humility. Humility does not mean thinking badly of ourselves or being self-demeaning. Far, far from it. Humility means to have a more accurate appraisal of ourselves. And as Christians, that should mean a more gentle appraisal of ourselves and of others. I am not to be less patient and less kind with myself in order to try to be more patient with others. I am to be more patient and kind with myself in order that I may be more patient with others. In that regard, it's very true that charity begins at home. We will never be gentle and patient with others until we learn to be gentle and patient with ourselves and to recognize God isn't finished with us yet. We are not perfected yet. And I believe some of the most heinous expressions of hatred for other people are rooted and grounded in a kind of self-hatred, a lack of willingness to be humble and patient toward ourselves. You will remember that Jesus said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God. The second commandment, which is likened to it, bumping right up against it, is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Built into that, love our neighbors as ourselves, is the very important idea that we need to start with loving ourselves. Being patient with ourselves. Recognizing that we are going to make mistakes. Carol and I have a joke. You know, one of us will do something and, you know, we'll drop something or whatever. And I go, well, that's why they call them accidents. It's because that happens to us. We, are, we fail as creatures. We make mistakes. We need to have patience with ourselves as well. We should not be patient with ourselves because we deserve it. We don't deserve love and patience and gentleness. I am, I, I, I believe I could take the cake from Paul who said he was the, the worst of sinners. I believe I'm the worst of sinners. I am a broken sinner who rightfully should be condemned by God, by myself, and by everyone else. But in the very midst of my sin and brokenness, the Son of God himself chose to love me and even to die for me on the cross to take away my sin and my brokenness. Given the fact that Jesus was willing to make such a great sacrifice and demonstrate his love for me in that kind of way, how can I not be more gentle and patient with myself? How can I not feel that I must have some value simply because I am that much loved by Jesus? And then having practiced gentleness and patience for myself, how can I not then be more gentle and patient with others who are just as sinful and broken and inefficient as I am? It starts with what Jesus has done for us. And then third, I believe we have to have patience with God. That may sound like a funny thing to say, but in many ways this is the most important kind of patience because it has to do with our relationship with God, the foundation of all the rest of this. In the same way that we get frustrated with other people for not doing the things that we want or do them, doing them as quickly as we want or in the way that we want, we also, many of us, have a deep-seated belief that we know better than God how he should do things. That we 
should, God should listen to us because we have this figured out. If He would just do things the way we want them done, everything would be fine. And so when God doesn't do things our way, the way we think they should be, we get impatient with God. Sometimes we even become openly critical of God. I have heard a number of people in my life say, you know, I had never asked God for anything, and then when I really needed something and I asked Him for help, He was not there to help me. He didn't do anything to help me, so I don't want to have anything else with God. Have you ever heard that? I think that is the most shallow and unreasonable thing it would be possible ever to say about God. It's an expression of impatience and frustration with God that's built on the assumption that we are wiser than God, that we know better than Him and He should listen to us and do it the way we want it done. It's saying that we don't have any responsibility to Him. He has a responsibility to be there and serve our needs whenever we call on Him. As though God were some kind, as I've said before, of cosmic genie, or bellhop that we ring our bell or rub our lamp and he has to show up and give us our wishes. But otherwise, stay in your lamp. We don't want to be bothered with you. The thing we have to realize is that first and foremost, God is not our servant. We are his servants. He is in charge. He is the Lord of the universe. Second, what possible right do we have to expect that God should give us what we ask for whenever we ask for it when we have made no prior attempt to develop a relationship with Him, when we in no way have acknowledged that He is God and that we are intended to be in a relationship with Him. I've used the analogy before. It would be like my marriage to Carolyn. And I, if I never spoke to her and I never did anything to relate to her or communicate with her until I wanted something and then I barked an order and said, go get me that, would you think she should go get it? Absolutely not. That's not relationship. That's not how relationship works. We only have a right to ask for favors from someone, including God, if we have developed a relationship, if we value that person enough to have committed to them. It's true in a marriage relationship, in a friendship, and most especially it's true for God. Our expectation that God will hear us and respond to us when we ask for help has to exist in the context of a relationship that we have made the effort to develop, or else we don't have a right to ask for a response any more than we have a right to ask for a response from a person in our life that we have shown no interest in until we want them for something, want them to do something. So to get impatient with God when He doesn't jump quickly enough to give us what we want implies a completely wrong understanding of what our relationship with God is supposed to be. And if we get impatient with God, it's because we assume that we know better than Him, the way He should respond to us. When I was in seminary, that little sandwich shop on campus at Fuller Seminary called The Catalyst, and on the wall behind the order counter, there was a poster of a penguin some of you may have seen this over the years. And this penguin is sort of all hunched over, as though he were carrying a heavy load, although there's nothing really on his shoulders. And the caption on that poster is one I have always remembered. The caption said, Dear Lord, I ask not that you lighten my load, but that you strengthen my back. Do we ever ask God for stronger backs, or do we just ask Him for lighter loads? <laughs> In other words, do we assume that we know how he should answer our prayers? Because he may have a very different idea about the right way to do that. 
Do we ask for our load to be taken away and when it isn't, even though He gives us a stronger back, we get impatient with Him? David A. Bednar, philosopher, wrote this, Sometimes we may ask God for success and instead He gives us physical and mental stamina. We might plead for prosperity and received in large perspective and increased patience. For, or we petition for growth and we are blessed with the gift of grace. He may bestow upon us conviction and confidence as we strive to achieve worthy goals. God may not answer our prayer in the way we want, and we need to learn to accept that. That He knows better than us. Being patient with God means understanding that He is wiser than us, He sees further than us, He understands more than we do. It means that His way of doing things, while they may, and in fact almost certainly are, different from how we might have done them, He is God and we are not, and His ways are perfect. So we have no room or right to be impatient with God. So we are, as the Apostle Paul tells us, to be patient with one another. Necessarily, in order to achieve that, we need to learn to be patient and gentle with ourselves, and we most especially need to learn to be patient with God, whose will will be worked out in our lives if we come to Him humbly and recognize that He is better and wiser than we are. Amen.